podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell and Heels Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Hi. How are you? I'm 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 okay. I've already told you there was something I was going to tell you and the listeners and everybody. Mm-hmm. I remembered it after we recorded last time. And now I don't remember what it is. And it's bugging the crap out of me. I know that feeling because that happens to me multiple times a day every day. So I'm sorry. And it's bugging me. It's just, it's bugging me. I feel like it was something funny. But I don't know what it was it's always the funny stuff that you can't remember bugging the crap out of me anyways how how are you not bad we had an easy day we had hamburgers for dinner and i have a wild pear cherry a wild perry chepsy wow that's one heck yeah. of a chepsy you got there yeah wild perry apparently i remember what it was perfect okay that's perfect. Okay, I'm sorry. It came to me just in a wave. So I this was something I thought you would be so proud of because I actually got this from you and we started doing this after like we started recording. And you know how you always say like your I hope statements, like I hope they stub their toe or I hope something stupid happens, you know? Yeah. Well, the other day at work, one of my coworkers was leading our team meeting and there's a part of our team meetings that I'm going to be honest, I hate them. I think they take too long, but their team wins. So everyone goes through and they share. I thought when we first, I started this position, it was a win about work. Now it's a win about work, life, family, everything. And I'm like, oh my, just one win, move on. But everyone shares like six, except for me. I'm like, here's my win, goodbye. Point is, is in addition to that, we also rotate who's the meeting leader. So basically, who's like, all right, now this, now this. Anyways, so one of my friends was the meeting leader, and he was sucking at leading. And I was like, we're halfway through this meeting and not even done with team wins. Hurry it up, bud. Hurry. Like, let's pick up the pace. Right. So when we got off of the meeting, I was really annoyed with him. I was real (laughs) annoyed. I'm like, I don't want this meeting to go over. I don't feel great. I just want to be off of this meeting and finish what I need to do for work. And I just sent him a whole list of those I hope statements. (laughs) And I think I found the winner. Okay. Which one? Stepped on a Lego? No, no. Um, This is like a conversation that we're like me and three other people because we're all we're friends like outside of work and stuff. So I was sending him these I hope statements out because I was raging on him. I'm so (laughs) mad. And the winner of the day was, I hope you have intense cravings every Sunday for Chick-fil-A. <gasps> Whoa. So that is the newest um, winner for me. And I wanted that, to share with you that's because I thought you'd really be proud. That's a really good one. I really am. Yeah. 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 So that's what it was. So. I might cry. I'm so proud of you. Like I said, I learned that those from you. You're growing up and so I, fast. I know, right? I like that my but, camera blurred when I fake cried right then. It's just like, <laughs> you know. So you don't even try that. We know it's not true. <laughs> but anyways, that's what it was. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt, but it finally came to me. 
of what no, it was. I'm glad you interrupted. I oh, needed okay. to hear that. I think, well, because now you have a new statement, too, for mm-hmm. any time someone makes you mad. Because I'm using that one all the time now. Oh, my God. I love it. I'm going to have to come up with a new one now. Not to trump you, but just to catch up. <sighs> I just, I mean, I don't know how it could get much better. I don't know, because most of mine are just, like, inconvenient, and you just went for the kill. Mine is like, I hope you make hamburgers for dinner and then realize you don't have ketchup. Stuff like that. But you just went for the throat, for the jugular. He deserved it, okay? (laughs) He knows. He knows. I feel like I have to agree with you, though. Like, that would annoy the, the crap out of me. Like, let's just move on. I don't want... Yeah. And the other part is I was like, I don't want this meeting to go over. Like, I just got us to concentrate this meeting down to an hour versus an hour and a half. Let's stick with that, guys. No, that's that's too much. My win is I got out of bed this morning. Let's go. Right. <laughs> I'm here let's and I'm wearing pants. Now, next, let's move it along. There are some weeks where they go to, like, my win and I'm like, just pass. My head hurts. And it doesn't help that those meetings are on my busiest day. So my Tuesdays, I'm like meeting, 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 meeting. I'm just booked all day. And then on top of that, I still have emails and things coming in. And anyways, so by the time we get to that meeting at like three o'clock in the afternoon for me, I'm just done. I'm over it. I want my last hour where I can catch up on meetings or not on meetings, on emails. meetings. (laughs) Yeah, I want that last hour to catch up on emails, take a breather, not talk to people. And if we can finish that last team meeting before that point, I'm going to take it. But no, he decided to let it go on and on and on. And afterwards, he heard about it. So, (laughs) And now he has been cursed. Listen, his girlfriend agreed. She was like, you kind of deserve all of this. So (laughs) I was like, see? See what I'm saying? So, anyways, that's it. How are you? Oh, I'm still good. I guess oh, I did I already ask? ask? Yeah, you did. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. I can tell you again. I'm good. I have a cherry Pepsi, and I have never mispronounced this wrong in my life when I said it. It was a cherry <laughs> Pepsi, I thought. Oh, no, this is the first time I have said it, and it is oh. definitely a cherry Pepsi. <laughs> Listen, the first time you said it, I was so focused on remembering what it was I wanted to tell you to make you so mm-hmm. proud. I'm really glad you remembered. I figured it out. It's all fine. I'm, my good. goal is to use that, use that three times this week. Do it. I want I know, an update. I know just the customer. And ah, I should see him this week. Okay. Well, I want updates when you do use it. Oh, absolutely. Pro- they will probably be immediate. I'll just get on WebEx and be like, uh, no Chick-fil-A on Sundays. One out of three. <laughs> one out of three. You can yeah. probably just say one out of three and I'll know what you mean. Oh, even better. That's less typing. <laughs> and it's on the keypad. So if it's with the customer in front of you, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, she's just typing in. Yeah, she's just typing much. numbers. She does that all the time. All the time. So nothing <laughs> suspicious there. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, are you almost ready for stories? Uh, yeah. And you know what? Before we do that, let's just do a quick reminder for everyone. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Helen Hills Podcast, Twitter, Helen Hills Pod. Our Patreon's up, our Discord's up. Uh, Linktree is up and going. We do post all of the pictures on 
Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can email us if you have any suggestions, whatever you want. Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I think that's it. That's everything, I think? I think so. Okay, well, that's everything. Okay, I am ready for a story. Well, good, because this is your fault. My fault? Um, so today, we are going to talk. We are not. I am. You can talk if you want. Uh, I'm going to tell you about William Clyde Gibson III. I don't understand how this is my fault. Oh, well, it's your fault that we're going to talk about this this crusty ball barnacle today because the last story you did was um, Unsolved, right? The last true crime? It was Unsolved. It, they yes. have enough to make charges. We just don't know anything about right. it. So kind of Unsolved. Thank you. Well, it was unsolved enough to where mine was also unsolved this week. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to scrap it literally the night before and just marathon a true crime. And I hate myself for it. I have no idea how I have never heard of this man. And I dare say he could go. I don't want him to, but he could be up there with like Ted Bundy. Um, John Wayne Gacy. He could be up there with the worst of the worst. I still don't understand how this is my fault. Okay, well, it is. So, If you guys get two unsolved stories in a row, it doesn't hurt my feelings, okay? Only Amanda's, apparently. I try to keep it fresh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Next time, you'll just get the damn story, okay? <laughs> because this is just... Just let me tell you. All right. So, yeah, I had to research this. So now you have to hear it. And that's where we're at. You act like that's my fault. Oh, I'm not acting. It's your fault. (laughs) So William Clyde Gibson III. He was born October 10th, 1957 in Riley, North Carolina. He was the youngest of four kids, two girls and one half brother. His mother was Geraldine or Jerry Gibson. She was a cashier at Sears. And his father, William Clyde Jr., he was a foreman at a tree trimming company. Now, uh, Gibson would say that his dad was an alcoholic and he was combative when he was drunk. But he would also say that his parents were very loving. Uh, He said he, as the youngest child, was spoiled. He was never abused or neglected by his parents. They, They, I mean, it sounded like they were loving, had a good life. His family moved to New Albany, Indiana when he was two, and this is where he grew up. As a child, um, a former neighbor claimed that he was just strange, a strange child. They said that he had trouble speaking to other people in in large groups. Um, They also said that he was not bright, which I thought was mean, but I added it because, yeah. Uh, He struggled at school. And he just preferred staying at home with his mom. Any day she would let him just skip school and stay home, he was here for it. When he did go to school, he was bullied until sixth grade when he grew up like big enough to defend himself. Uh, So then he started bullying in return. Not what you're supposed to do. Uh, No, not what I'm going to teach my kids to do. But hey, uh, he sucks. He was also just generally getting in trouble around this time. He was talking in class, not following directions. He was fighting at school. Uh, One of his childhood friends claimed that he shot 
another kid in the eye with a pellet gun when he was a kid. And he started drinking. This is, he claims he started drinking at the age of 13. And this is also the same year he got arrested for stealing a motorbike. He eventually dropped out of school and he spent his time committing crimes because what else are you going to do, I guess? So he, he got in trouble for drunk driving and he crashed the car. In 1976, he joined the military at age 17 as a mechanic. He was stationed in West Germany for a little while. He was awarded badges for marksmanship and hand grenade usage, which I didn't know you got a, a badge for. What type of badge do you get for that? I don't know, but I'm really upset I didn't get that one in Girl Scout. Like, I didn't even get the option to get a hand grenade usage badge. That's, I, got, I wasn't a Girl Scout, but I might have been if I could have gotten a badge for that. We did not get that at, I got a 4-H badge. I remember that. I want the hand grenade badge. He also developed an addiction to heroin, cocaine, and LSD. And he frequently mixed them with alcohol. Which I don't know much about the military, but how do you have time to do to do that? All of how does he have time for any of that? I have no I I have no time for heroin. Okay. Granted, I've never made time or tried to make time, but I, I don't I guess he had his priorities. In 1979, while he was still enlisted, he was arrested for stealing a car, which is bad by the way. So he was dishonorably discharged. You can't just go around stealing cars? No, uh-uh. Especially when you're in the military, they look, uh, they, I think they frown upon that. But what if the car is, like, really pretty? Uh, well, like a nice, shiny new BMW of some sort. I don't know. Uh, my parents told me something when I was little. I can't remember, I can't remember the cliche, but something about, if it's not yours, take it, I think. So in that situation, you would take it, take the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like what I'm saying. Yeah, so if it's, I guess if it looks nice enough, yeah, take it. Deal, done. Okay. Uh, He was dishonorably discharged and sentenced to a year in a Fort Knox Army prison. That sounds like it sucks. Aren't like Army prisons, I think, known for being worse than civilian prisons? I have no clue. Because I've uh, never been to, you, this might be really shocking to you. I've never been to a civilian or an army prison. Oh, me neither. We have that in common. Oh my God. See, it, that's because we've never found a car pretty enough. Nope. That hot pink color just eludes me every time I see those cars. I tried to ask James, but he doesn't know either. Cause he's also never been. So if you've been to military prison, I guess, let us know. Did you by chance consult Google? I did not. But prisons it looks like you are. Worse than regular prisons. I thought his dad would know because he was in the army, but. Military prisons are incredibly clean and well kept. So keeping it look, I don't know. That So far, that sounds kind of nice, actually. This is comparing to federal prisons. Wait, do I have to clean it, though? Because then that does not sound nice. <laughs> Maybe. So, I don't know. Yeah. Although, there's on. a whole. <laughs> article about the differences um i'd have to read this like article and read all about it that sounds like a lot of work to do on like right now. hold on okay hold on let's see prison guards obviously different 
prison facilities, different. Um, rehab, it looks like military prison system has more rehabilitation options. Um, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. You're not allowed to salute while you're in a military prison. Okay, but in a federal prison, I guess that's allowed. I guess if you want to do it, <laughs> go for it. But yeah, because um, you're, you're in timeout, you can't salute in timeout. Yeah, fights in prison in a military prison are uncommon and are broken up quickly. So there's that. So they sound a little safer. Yeah. Um, I bet there's at least one person out there who's been to a military prison and he's like, this is bullshit and y'all are wrong. Just let me tell you. <laughs> they're, they're like sending us an email right now. Like, let me tell you about military prisons right now. <laughs> and how much so, they suck. I'm willing to bet all, all prisons suck. Okay, yeah. I would place money on that bet as well. Yeah. Like I said, I've never been to one. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of well, here. He went to a lot of uh, jails and prisons, spoiler alert. Uh, but while he was in this army prison, he did claim to have tried to kill himself by slitting his wrists. And, uh, well, he didn't. After he got out in 1980, he married an artist. And she did later send an open letter to the media begging them not to release her info. Fair. And she said... I know nothing of the man who committed these insane acts. Now, he allegedly sobered up for a while after he got married, but he fell back into his old ways after finding out that he was sterile. This uh, might not be the worst thing, because I don't think this man should reproduce. Look, I'm not... I, I'm not saying... That that's not a really tough situation because, mm -hmm. like, going through infertility is really hard. But it's also not a reason to be into drugs and drinking and violent yeah. and criminal. Like, it's just not an excuse. I think that's exactly what it was. I think it was an excuse because this guy is, he sucks. He's the worst of the worst. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not a valid excuse. Okay. On... January 26, 1991, he was very drunk and he was driving. He backed into a pickup truck. And while police were there checking out the damage, uh, he made the questionable decision to drive off, uh, which turned into a high-speed chase. This chase stopped when he collided with another vehicle doing 90 miles an hour. Oh, uh, with no headlights. The driver of the other car sustained eight broken ribs. When charged, um, <laughs> Gibson pled guilty to drunk driving, assault, wanton endangerment, and, and attempting to elude a police officer. He was sentenced to five years in jail, and he was he was released. And then eight months later, he was charged again with robbery and sexual abuse. Oh. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was October 2nd, 1991. He attacked a 21-year-old woman in the Louisville Galleria. From my understanding, this is like a mall 
I, I don't know. People in Indiana are like, yeah, it's a huge mall. I really don't know. It's a mall. Now, he pinned this woman against a phone booth. And he fondled her genitals while trying to pull her into a garage. And when she fought back, he punched her in the back of the head, grabbed her purse, and ran off. He was chased down by mall security, and he was charged with robbery, sexual abuse. During his trial for this offense, his manager at the job that he currently held testified through a letter to the court that Charles, or excuse me, Clyde Gibson was very good-natured, trustworthy, and very valuable to us. I think what Clyde did was for attention, saying that he needed help. And he said it was a shock to us, but I would hire Clyde back anyway. I'm not a real big fan of this story. Oh, it's just getting started. But yes, that was Marshall Ray, the manager of Bob Ray Co., which seemed to be a tree trimming service. Um, So I really urge Marshall to rethink this, which hopefully he has by now. Gibson blamed this whole thing on the fact that he was really drunk. He couldn't remember what happened. So he entered an Alfred plea, which is basically where he disputed his guilt in this situation, but he recognized that there was enough evidence to convict him. He was sentenced to seven years in prison for sexual assault. His wife also divorced him, which, like, she stuck around for a hot minute. This was a patient woman. On April 5th, 1999, he was released and he was placed on the Indiana Sex and Violent Offender Registry. On June 29th, 2001, he was arrested again and charged with receiving stolen auto parts. This sentence, he was allowed to spend part of it in a psychiatric hospital. So he was treated for drug and alcohol addiction at Madison State Hospital. And staff said that they found him to be indifferent to treatment and still in the process of denial. I hate him so much. He just feels like he's like, it wasn't my fault. I couldn't control myself. Oh, this guy has absolutely no remorse. That, that's not true. He says he feels bad for some of his crimes. But even then, it's like, that's, that's even, how do you feel bad for some and not others? I don't understand that. On June 29th, nope, I just talked about that. Um, his discharge papers, oh, this was great. His dis- discharge papers noted he had no evidence of psychosis or behavioral problems. And it, they also said that he would not endanger himself or others. Spoiler alert, that's a load of crap. So he was sent back to jail and he was released four days later on March 12th, 2002. Seven months later, on October 10th, 2002, this was William Clyde Gibson. He went by Clyde, so that's why I'm not calling him that. I keep going to either William or Gibson because screw you. This was his 45th birthday. And he met a woman in a bar, Karen Sue Hodella. She was 44 years old. She was a beautician. She lived in Port Orange, Florida, but she was in Southern Indiana visiting a boyfriend. And this night, she Visiting had... a boyfriend or her boyfriend? Because does she have multiple? I'm not... I don't care if she does. I'm just curious with your Well, wording. her boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. But that boy... The reason I said a boyfriend is because that boyfriend was not William... Clyde Gibson, the third. It was a completely other person. 
Well, I figured that part, but I was just mm-hmm. asking because the way you worded it was like she was visiting one of her boyfriends. Oh. Which, oh. I mean, I don't care. I mean, she probably could have. Hey, do you, sister? Um, well, she was visiting her boyfriend and they had been arguing. She w- wasn't even there a week. And I guess they had been arguing a lot. So she called her family that night and she asked them to buy her a bus ticket home the next day. She was done. She was ready to get out of there. And her eldest daughter remembers Karen telling her that there was a nice man buying her drinks at the bar that night. Her parent, her family, excuse me, would never hear from her again. Can I just say, if I, if this man tried to buy me drinks, I would a hundred percent be like, no, thank you. Your mustache creeps me out. I'm okay. Thank you. I really hate his mustache. That's one of the things he's known for. He's known for his quote handlebar mustache. That is a garbage handlebar mustache. Well, garbage for garbage, you know? Yes. Okay. Gibson claimed to have stabbed Karen to death this night. And later, he had a tattoo with the date and a picture of the knife on his lower arm to commemorate this. Wait, repeat that one more time. He had a tattoo. Or he had gotten a tattoo later with the date and a picture of the knife he used to kill her on his lower right arm to commemorate this experience. Okay, I I guess I'm not processing what the ever-loving F is wrong with him. Oh, I'm not sure. He gave an example, which I, I didn't include, but I can tell you about like Basically, he said he claims in one of his many interviews that... One of the things he thinks, if he had to say what led to all this, was the fact that he was molested slash raped by an older girl when he was about 10 or 11. And she was about 16. But I just think he's just a trash human. I think that's just another excuse. Not to say it couldn't be, but I think he's just garbage. Karen Hodella's body was found three months later near the Ohio River in Clarksville. Her body was heavily decomposed, but they were able to identify her via fingerprints. Just three weeks later, Gibson was arrested again for driving a stolen truck while intoxicated. While in jail, he suffered alcohol and cocaine withdrawals for four days. And then he sued the jail in May of 2003 for denying him Seroquel, which was previously prescribed to him in Madison State Hospital. For, I believe it was for bipolar disorder and subhuman living conditions. A judge said he was full of it and threw the case out, calling it groundless. So good. Yeah. February 21st, 2006, he tried to sell a bartender a brown Toyota. He was just at a bar. Um, she claimed that he came in often, he was always really friendly. She went to the restroom, came back, and saw that he had taken off with her purse and $300. This woman was like, no, you don't. So she called up her husband, and they just tracked him down. They found the brown Toyota at another bar and called police. Gibson was arrested again when the car that he was trying to sell her and was driving was found to be stolen. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I would have been surprised if anything else happened at this point. 
He was sentenced to three more years in jail for stealing the purse and auto theft. And he was released around July 4th of 2009. Neighbors around this time, they claimed that he was helpful. He was a devoted caretaker to his mother. She was suffering cancer. And he was really helpful with her. Uh, he had gotten a job where he was described as a good worker. He was eventually fired for this job for taking too many sick days. And he even attended church regularly. <laughs> attending church doesn't count for anything. No, no. I, I don't think so either. It It is weird to me that he just kind of cleaned up like this. But um, spoiler alert, he didn't. So His mother died January 18th, 2012 after her battle with cancer. And people will claim that this was a breaking point for him. Stephanie Kirk was 35 years old when she went missing. She was married in her 20s, but that had only lasted about six months. After that marriage, she later had a daughter with another man. And after he eventually left them, she moved in with her father. She had fallen into a deep depression for a while because she had broken her back and was pretty much unable to leave her room. But she was healing. She was able to start going out again. And on March 25th of 2012, she was still considered disabled, so she wasn't working, but she was able to go out with a bar. Or, no, she didn't go out with a bar, excuse me. She, she went, went out with the whole bar. The whole bar. She was like, look, I'm young, I'm hip. I'm in my I'm prime. Just, yes. The whole bar. She, she went to a bar with a friend. That's what she actually did. She was supposed to go on a motorcycle ride that day with a man that she had met at the bar the night before. Gibson alleges that the two spent the day having sex and doing drugs. They got into a fight over some pills when he just strangled and raped her. He sexually assaulted her and broke her spine in the process. And then he buried her body in his backyard. When she never came home, her father tried to call her cell phone, but he was unable to reach her. Christine Whitus, she was 75 years old. She was his mother's best friend since their teenage years. From what I read, they had met as car hops and were just lifelong friends. She had been like an aunt to Gibson growing up. She later even supported him and gave him money from time to time. And Gibson claims that he called her to his home on April 18th, 2012, because he needed someone to talk to. It's what he had said. His family believe, or excuse me, her family believes that she had gone over there to give him more money. Later, Gibson would tell police that this was about sex. That's why he invited her over there. He's sexually assaulted and strangled Whiting for roughly or excuse me, about 30 minutes after she got to the house. After killing her, he dragged her body to the garage and mutilated her corpse. He sliced off her breast with a kitchen knife and left her body on the floor of the garage surrounded by trash bags. Oh, I hate him so much. The next day, his sisters went to the house. Uh, they were dealing with the affairs after their mother died. So they were 
sent there by the lawyers specifically to get the mileage on her car and just get a couple other things because they were dealing with dividing up the property. So when one of his sisters walked into the garage, she found Whiting on the floor and immediately called police. Gibson was arrested the same day. He was so intoxicated, he couldn't be interviewed until the next day. But he was found driving Whiting's vehicle. After a brief police chase, he was apprehended in a Walmart parking lot where he was found, excuse me, when he was found. He later said in an interview he had one of her breasts in the car with him. The responding officer later testified that when he told Gibson to show his hands, Gibson refused and he kept fiddling with the console. When the vehicle was searched, they found bloodstains on top of the console and, quote, fatty tissue was found inside. After the autopsy, they discovered it to be Whiting's breast and investigators believed that Gibson had just left the breast out on top of the console as he drove around. Later, in an interview that I unfortunately listened to, Gibson admitted this, and he said he did. He just drove around with this woman's ugh, breast in the car with him. I'm so uncomfortable. According to him, this is not the only time this happened. I'm so uncomfortable. <sighs> he also said about the day he got arrested, the specific time, the specific day he got arrested, he laughed while he was talking about it and remembering it. And he said that he was so drunk when the cop pulled him out of the car, they accidentally jerked him across the parking lot. That's why his face is so beat up. His glasses were broken. He made sure to explain that the cop wasn't trying to be rough with him. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like roughing him up. He said he was just that drunk that he just got beat up. I guess he couldn't stand up. While he was in custody, he admitted to the murder of Karen Hodella. Gibson was charged with Hodella and Whiting's murder April 24th of 2012. He also confessed to the murder of Stephanie Kirk, and he led police to where he buried her. She was exhumed from his backyard in April, or on April 27th, 2012. Through his court dates, he was known for showing up to court lighthearted, smiling. Even after he was sentenced to death, he was still just pretty carefree and nonchalant the picture of him smiling there's there's a couple of them but just one's enough he's oh he's unsettling he's yeah unsettling is a really good word on may 23rd 2012 gibson was charged with capital murder criminal criminal deviant conduct and sodomy involving Christine Whiting and Stephanie Kirk. He was charged for each murder separately, and prosecutors were seeking the death penalty in all of the cases. Is that why it says death row times three on the back of his head? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're about to get into that, too. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. On October 25th, 2013, Gibson was found guilty on all charges regarding Christine Whitus. It took jurors less than 20 minutes to deliberate. He was sentenced to death the following month, and Gibson told the judge it was no big deal and that he deserved what he was getting. Agreed. Gibson pled guilty to the murder of Karen Hodella, 
and he waived his right to a speedy trial. As part of that deal, evidence presented at the Hodella trial wouldn't be used in any follow-up trials. <laughs> Gibson himself complicated things when he showed up to a hearing with the death row times three tattooed on the back of his shaved head. And the reason this complicated things is because even though he did this to himself, Justice Susan Orth, she had to delay his return to death row and have him sent to the Floyd County Jail. She ruled that he was not to be given any haircuts or sharp objects because she had to protect his right to a fair trial and that tattoo could sway a jury. So they basically just kind of had to wait until his hair grew out and you couldn't see it anymore. Wear, wear a toupee, wear a wig, something. But also, mm -hmm. I feel like he would have gotten that after everything. So he's made his decision. How How is that? Yeah, he's it's the like one it's... that chose to put that on his body, right? Everyone says tattoos are mm -hmm. permanent. It's permanent. It's on the back of his damn head. He chose to get it there. He chose that lifestyle. And I just don't... I don't know why that... I don't know why they waited. Sorry, that's his own fault. That No, I feel the same way because I could just imagine him walking into court and that judge being like, hold on, you got to be kidding me. Like, I have a duty to ensure a fair trial and you go and pull this crap. Oh, and they don't even know how he got the tattoo either because he was kept in solitary confinement and everywhere he went, he had at least two sometimes three guards escorting him. And it's like, th there's no way he did that himself. The right. back of his head, like it's, I mean, it's a pretty good tattoo. So there's no way he was, he had like two mirrors and a, I don't know, a pin, a hot pin. I don't know how they do these things in prison. <sighs> During his final trial for the murder of Stephanie Kirk, he pled guilty again and waived the right to a jury trial. However, this time, prosecutors were still going for the death penalty, and they argued it was the only appropriate sentence for the brutal killing. He was sentenced to death again on August 15th, 2014. Gibson appealed his death sentences multiple times, and every time they were rejected by the Indiana Supreme Court, kick rocks, loser. He has been featured in... A documentary called Inside Death Row. He's been on multiple podcast interviews. In these interviews, he claims to be responsible for 30 murders across different states. And he claims to have sexually assaulted, mutilated, and cannibalized victims' corpses. And I just pulled a couple things from his interviews, mainly because it's disgusting to me how nonchalant he was about the whole thing. He just talked about it like he was talking about his normal day. He laughed at times that were just unsettling, like you said earlier. From his interviews, he claimed that his first kill was in 1977 while he was stationed overseas. He claims to have also killed people in the U.S. One he talked about was in 1985 in New Albany. And he says in court... They brought up that he was believed to have been responsible for the death of this girl. It was his cousin. He said if it was his cousin, he did not know they were related. 
but he did admit to killing her in the interview and he said he didn't understand why if he was a suspect they never even asked him the first time he had heard about it was when he was in court he also he spoke of a woman named kate from california on january 12th 2012 he claimed to have killed her for her money he said that he was almost broke at the time and she was just in the bar where they met and she was buying a lot of drinks the bar he met her in was called willie gin in jeffersonville he said that they had gone back to her hotel room and had sex he went home the next day he went and picked her up and brought her back to his mom's house his mom was in the hospital at the time they were having sex when he got rough and she told him to stop. So he strangled her and then he ate pieces of her. I'm not going to go into detail, but it was um, sensual woman parts. Some of them raw, some of them fried in a pan. Uh, then he sliced um, off. Yeah. I thought you were taking a break from cannibalism stories. <sighs> I'm telling you, I really hate this story. You know what? This is for sure your fault because I'm just here. Bryce. He sliced off her breasts, ate her nipples, and then put the breasts in a jar of pickled eggs. Oh, I hate him so much. He claims that he buried her body somewhere in New Albany. Now, another girl. He claims he murdered. Her name is Elizabeth Bannister. I did not go into much detail, um, but she is from Evansville, Indiana. Her murder is unsolved. Gibson claims that he had stabbed her to death, and he was interviewed by the police regarding this murder. However, he was incorrect about several questions that the killer should have and would have known. So as of today, from what I read, they do not believe that he was responsible. And he has never been charged for her murder. That's the story of this really brutal piece of wet lettuce. I just feel like you did that intentionally to just mess with me. No, I left out a lot of details. You know what? That is one million percent your own fault. Like, I don't want to hear anything. And I did just realize, by the way, sorry, that I have more pictures to upload. Of the I don't want to see them. No, no, oh, no the pictures of the. Okay, the they're pictures. fine. They're fine then. Yes. I very much don't like any of this, you know? I found it from a website. Oh, so you have a website now. Not anymore. Not anymore. Bullshit. I got both of these actually from the same website. The next true crime I'll probably circle back and do is the one that I was doing. And they are Annie Bjornson or something like that. Uh Bjornson, yeah. Something like or, that. Or That's Bjornson. That one's a disappearance on my my website that I use. Yeah. How have you looked into her at all? I've done a little bit of reading. I haven't done a whole ton. Okay. I don't understand how they are on the same website. This person and her. Okay, but she's also on the same website with uh, Junko Fiertura. That one I think I could see. Between those two being on the same one. Regardless. I I saw you claim that one and I was like, oh, she's doing one for my website. <laughs> I think that means that I'm technically clear to use it after this. 
after after I did this, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. just go for it. You all heard that right there. Um, I've been cleared. And there, I mean, I did mention the the interviews, the podcasts. There are, there's a good many of them. Just listen at your own risk because he is very detailed. I, believe it or not, did not put in a lot of the details because I didn't want to repeat them. I did put in some because he is a monster. If he did these things, there's the possibility that he could just be, you know, saying he did it. But being that he was caught with with a breast in the car. In his, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's foul and gross. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate him. I was, I was super quiet this one because I was just so, I, I don't even know what I was. I can't believe I've never heard of this guy. You want to know who he slightly reminds me of is, um. Dog shit? Well, that, but I mean, this other person reminds me of dog shit too. What is his name now? He's uh, not, I know I covered him. Shit. Shit. I black out their names as soon as I get the chance. Okay, guys. Like, yeah. I don't want to remember. Um, it's been a minute. I just remember he did the, he, he created like a paperweight out of one of his victim's breasts. Oh. Um, oh my gosh. I do remember you talking about that. It was, let's see. He's a serial killer. You know what? I know what book I got him from. Where is it? Was it the shoe guy? Yeah. I just can't oh. remember his name. I think we called him like Brutal oh, wait, I or something. Jerry Brutal, I, didn't we call him that? Brutos. I don't know. Brutos? Oh, okay. What's right here? Yeah, Brutos. Jerry Brutos. Okay. I I had to scroll back through and I remember we I think we called him Jerry Brutal. Boy, that was a while back. But yeah, that's why I hadn't found him yet. Because I was like, I don't know which one I'm looking at. I'm just here. Point is, is that I did not particularly enjoy that. And I just kept thinking about Jerry Brutos and then his mustache and it was just awful. I just, I really could honestly go without ever seeing this guy again. Did you upload the pictures of the victims? No, I'm doing that now. They're on my phone. I'm sorry. I got distracted. Okay. Well, she's so cute. I only see the one of Hilda right now. Oh, you have to open it and then it's three. Oh, okay. I see. And they are in order. Mm -hmm. So whiting... That's right. Odella and Kirk. They're so cute. Oh, I hated this story so much. Well, are you ready for a different story? Yes, please. All right. Well, all right, guys. This is how this worked. Amanda texted me last night and (laughs) said, quote, Sorry in advance. I hope you have a good story for tomorrow. It's too late for me to stop. End quote. Did you put that in your notes? I did. (laughs) Just copy paste. I didn't even do that. I typed it. (laughs) So what I took that as is we were going to need something lighthearted and easy, not so traumatizing for today. And so I decided instead of covering demons or dolls or hauntings, 
I was going to do something we all enjoy. I scrambled to find a new story last night for this, okay? Because I was like, what am I supposed to do? And quite frankly, let's just admit it. We all love some good old paranormal games or rituals. Okay, so what you're saying is you understood the assignment. Yes. Well, okay, okay first of all, everyone except for my dad likes these. Um, <laughs> my dad calls and yells at me. He thinks I'm going to bring a demon upon myself. I don't, it's, it's fine, okay? His name is Cody. He lives with me. He is my personal demon. So yeah, sounds good to me. This sounds yeah. like you've got this all figured out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally. So we're going to talk about a couple rituals today. Um, one of them, so I did two of them, and that's because one of them I've been trying to find where to kind of piece it in. Um, it's considered like a low risk ritual, and the other one is also relatively low risk. So this is my low risk rituals today. Okay. Let's kick it off with a good old classic. We are going to kick off with light as a feather, stiff as a board. Oh, I did this multiple times. Who, who didn't play this game? It's, it is a classic slumber party game. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. We all know. I don't care what my dad says. When we have children, we're teaching them this day one. They're going to come out oh. and Cody and I are going to do this daily. <laughs> If Annie care. does not do this at her first sleepover, it's over. Everyone come get your kids. My daughter doesn't know what she's doing. You failed as a parent. Exactly. No. Well, yeah. Hold on. No. Wait, because I'm fixing it. <laughs> okay, well, you can't. You don't say it's over. You go teach them how to do it. It'll be both. It'll be like, look, put down the popcorn, put away the boy bands. Okay. We're doing this right now or everyone's going home. Okay, it's one yeah. or the other. Like, you either participate exactly. or you don't. Okay. Yes. Go get a chair, and then we'll put it back and have ice cream when we're done. Why do they need a chair? For light as... We use a chair. Oh, okay. That's just one of the variations. Um, okay. We'll talk about it. So... Well, why did you ask if you knew? Because I was <laughs> like, are you really using a chair? Are you insane? We did. No, we were in band class. We had it's chairs. a sleepover. Not this. This was band class, seventh grade, maybe eighth. What happens in band class stays in band class. That day it did not. We talked oh, about okay. it for a long time. <laughs> All right. Well, classic slumber party game or band class game. Okay. I don't, I don't make the rules, but you got to do this in both. Now, the history of this game is believed to go back to actually the 17th century, if not sooner. In the diary of one Samuel Pepys, in an entry dated July 31st, 1665, he recalls a story told to him by one Mr. Brisbane. He, Samuel Pepys had a lot of respect for Brisbane. He called Brisbane a scholar and a good man. He, he was sober. He didn't drink. He just raved about this man, right? Oh, okay. So. If you love him so much, why don't you marry him? Yeah. Uh, I think at the time Brisbane had already passed away, he was recalling. Okay, but we also had a story about that, where the guy married the girl anyway. Well, against his will. I don't know what story you're talking about. Oh, I vividly remember that story. That was one of the early ones uh, when Bree was still here. It, it was your yeah. story. Was it the doll? The doll man. Oh, okay. Well, he didn't force anyone to marry him. No, but I think they forced him to marry her. They, like, grabbed him off the street and was like, you're going to oh, make our oh. daughter an honest woman. 
Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Now I um Carol Tansla. Yeah, that's see, we got this. I got I think that was the very first episode, actually. <laughs> okay. Wow, I've really brought it back. You went way back to number one. So back on track here. So Peeps and Brisbane, they're they're talking. They're talking about spells and witchcraft and rituals and all the tea they can get for 1665, right? They're gossiping. This sounds great. They're the type of people I would want to hang out with in 1665, right? These are the people I would want to hang out with tomorrow. <laughs> well, they're not here, so. Oh, well, I guess I'll Sorry. settle for 1665. Yeah. So Brisbane would start telling Peeps of this crazy encounter he had with these four little girls. And Brisbane tells Peeps he watched these girls lift a boy up while they were chanting, here lies a dead body, stiff as a stick, cold as marble, light as a spirit, rise in the name of Jesus Christ. And they lift this little boy clear up in the air with just their fingers. Like, how did these four little girls do it? And he's telling him about it. And then he thinks, okay, this is just a trick. It's a trick. And he challenges these four little girls to lift a larger boy. And the little okay. girls are like, all right, here lies a de dead body, stiff mm. as a stick, cold as marble, light as a spirit, rise in the name of Jesus Christ. They done did it, okay? They accomplished it, and he was just mind This dad is just, he is running this day, or this daycare. He is running the sleepover at this point. He's like, hold on, because Jeff down the street just turned 18. Let me grab him real quick. This isn't even a dad. He just saw these girls doing this. Okay, well, now I'm a little uncomfortable. Like... Sir. Oh, okay wait a minute so these girls are just performing witchcraft on the street <laughs> and this old man walks up and is like hey do that kid next hey kid come here i'll give you i don't know a sixpence like to let these girls lift you lift you in the air with only their fingers <laughs> i i don't know all the situation again this is like third hand story right it's not even coming from one of the girls it's not coming from brisbane it is coming from peeps he was not even there oh i know the i know the story the story is girl power that's what went <laughs> that's what happened exactly the girls were like all right no big deal anyways brisbane he just is like it was just one of the strangest things he'd seen. And the chance was such a weird chant. He had never heard something so strange. And it was mind-boggling to him, right? So that's the earliest record I could find of this game, 1665. However, I feel like that means it's been around for a, a lot longer because all the little girls were doing their, their little ritual before that. You know, that's just the first time they allowed a man to see it. Yeah, they had to. Right. I mean, somebody had to tell them this on the playground. Exactly. Someone was like, here, let me show you. Mm -hmm. Since then, the game has now evolved into what we know it as today. So let's just talk about how you play this game. So if you don't know how to play, you're going to have to have a sleepover tonight. I don't care with who. Have a sleepover. Get some of your best friends over because you need a little team for this game. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to get a group of five to six people. It can be more. But most sources say like five to six is like the optimal number. Yeah. I don't do, know why. Where the hell do all the fingers go? <laughs> well, in this version, you're not using a chair. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So <laughs> again, five to six, totally fine. Completely whatever. If you want to do more, you can have more. But that's about what we're looking at here. So you're going to, if you haven't ever played, you're going to get your besties over tonight. 
and you're you got a game to play. Now the playing field is technically you ideally want like a dark, quiet room. And you're gonna want to make sure this room has the needed floors floor space floor space to play. The tools you need, technically, that's everything that you need. You don't really need anything else aside from your players and the floor space. You can have candles or a flashlight or something to illuminate your area. It's not against the rules, but it's also not required. You can also get... Yeah, it's just mood lighting. You could also get pillows and blankets so everyone's comfy or for safety reasons, whatever it is. Get get everything together. Now, to play, you're going to set everything up. You're going to close the curtains for one if you need to. You don't want, like, outside light coming in. You're going to place any blankets and pillows, lay them out on the floor, get it all nice and comfy, turn on your candles or flashlight or just dim the lights, and you are going to elect one person to be what we're going to call the levitator today, okay? You only need one levitator because that's all we can lift. That's so much nicer. We used to call them the board (laughs) or the plank. (laughs) I mean, the potato, the board, the plank, it doesn't really matter. Call them what you want. Call them <laughs> the subject. I don't really care what you call them. I'm just <laughs> calling them the levitator because that was just the clearest explanation. So your levitator, they're going to lay on the floor or on the blankets and pillows, but they're going to lay down and they are going to close their eyes and cross their arms over their chest. And that's literally their only job. And they're just, <laughs> oh, and also the other part of the job, they have to keep their eyes closed and not say anything silence yeah okay? don't move right don't magic. move you also Learn want them to the try to re- <laughs> you also want them to try to relax a little but they still have to stay in that position so they can't like fall asleep or anything but laying down flat on the floor arms crossed Oops. arms crossed over chest relaxed eyes closed just chill I'm so excited right now. I'm reliving my childhood through your words. I I thought you would. <laughs> you also need one guide player. And this player is like the gamekeeper, basically. Everyone follows their lead or their instructions. Which, by the way, it's not like they do a whole lot of instructing, okay? The remaining players are lifters. They're lifterators. Whatever you want to call them. I don't care, okay? Oh, I like lifterator. That sounds okay. great. Liberators here. The liberators and the guide are going to sit around the levitator in a circle. So if you have four players, you're going to have one at each shoulder, one at like each knee, basically. If you have more players, you're going to just evenly space them around. But you want the guide, if you have more players, you want the guide at the head. So, you know, easy part, I guess. I don't really know. Everyone's going to take their index finger and middle finger on both of their hands and just slide them under the levitator. And you're going to do a test run. So everyone's going to just try to lift and just lift the person up and expect this to fail. Just expect it to fail. Okay. So all the lifterators you're going to try to lift with just those two fingers, you're going to fail. Expect it. Now, once you're done and the guide said, okay, stop trying to lift them up. Obviously it's not working. The guide steps in and they're going to begin saying, She's looking ill. And this is actually going to be a chant that the guide is going to chant softly. She's looking ill. She's looking ill. She's looking ill. Then the lifterators can start joining the chant and also saying, she's looking ill. She's looking ill. She's looking ill. Following your guide player. Now, 
As a lifter, you need to make sure you're listening carefully to the guide because the guide is going to change their chant to she's getting worse. So she's looking ill, she's looking ill, she's looking ill, she's getting worse, she's getting worse, she's getting worse. When the guide changes their chant, you as a lifterator, if you're not the guide or the levitator, you're going to also change your chant. So when you hear her, uh, your, I say her because I think this is like a girl. I think normally the girls did this at their sleepovers. I, think I don't. So. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know, but I think they like played basketball and stuff. You know, boring, sweaty I, stuff. They played video games or like I don't know. Yeah. We did. I have no idea. Yeah, fine, no big deal. They went <laughs> to Jupiter to get more stupider. And we played light as a feather, stiff as a board. Exactly. So, with the horde? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so, the guy changes their chant to she's getting worse. Everyone changes their chant to she's getting worse. The chant will again change to she is dying. Again, the guide will change it and the lifterators follow. And again, it's going to change one last time to she is dead. And this is the final chant for now. So, um, she is ill. She's looking ill. She's getting worse. She is dying. She is dead. Those are what you're going to kind of expect to hear in the first part. The guide is going to stop all of these chants. And when the guide stops, the lifterators are going to stop as well. And they're going to just have a moment of silence. And then the guide will start the chant. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. The lifters are going to follow suit. Remember, all of this, your fingers are underneath your levitator. Just hanging out, waiting. And the lifters are going to follow suit. They're going to keep chanting. And the guide is going to give some sort of indication that it's time to lift. So it could be that they're going to count down. Three, two, one, lift. And everyone is going to keep chanting. And they're going to start lifting. You're not going to stop chanting. You're just going to keep your chant going and lift. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. And at this point, the levitator should begin to rise. And everyone will keep lifting and chanting until the guide indicates to put them back down, safely put them back down. So everyone will slowly and safely place the levitator back on the floor, unless you're dicks and just pull your fingers out from under them. I don't really, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The chanters will then fall quiet, remove. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just imagining. The two inches off the ground the kid is getting and everyone going, three, two, one, move. Oh, like two in okay. <laughs> you were nice. Because we did there were many times where we almost lost it. Mainly it was because the levitator would freak out and ruin the concentration. And so uh-huh. we we're just scrambling to catch them. <laughs> That's but, the levitator's fault. Yeah. If I hear a yeah. thump from my daughter, <laughs> I know it's like that asshole. That little jerk. I know that was her idea. You're going to be hearing screaming right after that. And you're going to be like, I have to get my ass out of bed. I told these girls it was bedtime. I'm just going to have a first aid kit beside the bed with me anytime she has a sleepover. I think you just need a first aid kit with you. I don't have a first aid kit, but I have like assorted. I have what I need. I just don't have it all together. It's spread between the two bathrooms. You but should for probably sleepovers. She'll have one. I'm, I'm thinking for Annie's room in general, you should just have one in there. That's not a bad idea. I can get one yeah. of those industrial ones to put on the wall, like you see at work. Yeah. 
you open it up and it has the checkbox in it. So you remember to go through and make sure everything's still in date. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get one of those. So, okay. So we know we're going to put the levitator back down. We're going to continue chanting. Once the levitator is back on the floor, our lifterators and our guide can fall quiet, remove their fingers. You turn on the lights and you're done. Like that is light as a feather, stiff as a board, right? Now, there are different variations. Amanda mentioned one with a chair where you only have four people, you know, lifting on each side. Um, There's variations in the wording. There's also a variation where it like basically includes a eulogy for the levitator, which made me highly uncomfortable because they're just laying there listening to this eulogy of themselves. It's great. Um, Anyway, a lot of pressure. Yeah. There were also some variations where you like put their your fingers on their face. And I didn't feel comfortable uh, with that one. So. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. No. I didn't enjoy that one either. And I have to now, keep my eyes closed too. No. Right. Now, some people believe that it's possible that you can become possessed by doing this. All of the fun stuff. Your friends might start acting different or not like themselves or whatever it may be. So... Most sources said, if you're going to play this game, make sure your friend's back to normal and they're not acting wonky a couple days after, you know? Wow, my friends I've never... taught me this game skipped those instructions. <laughs> your friends were like, oh, it's fine. She's not going to get possessed. Yeah, they were like, watch this cool trick. And then that was it. <laughs> and then we just kept rotating and making different levitators. And then afterwards, they right. were like, cool, let's play outside. Yeah, sounds about right. There is a scientific explanation behind this as well, and it really just has to do with timing and weight distribution, right? The basic idea is that when you tell everyone to at the start to try and lift, they're all lifting at different times. And so the weight distribution, like if I lift 30 seconds or three seconds before you, all the weight is on my fingers, and then you lift, and it's just not going to work, right? Right. So... That's why you start with the first one, because first of all, that gets in your head and you go, okay, we can't. So all the weight and force is right there. It's greater than what you can do as a lifter. But then when you have everyone lifting at the same time, when the guide either counts down, gives the the snapping indicate, I don't know, whatever they're going to do, stomp three times. I don't really know. Um, and that's what you're doing the macarena now? <laughs> or not the macarena. Happy and you know it. Yes, happy and you know it. Thank you. They're pretty happy. They're at a sleepover, okay? <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, light as a feather, stiff as a board, okay? Oh, wait. Hold on. We can get somewhere <laughs> with this. <laughs> I'm not encouraging. Oh, no. Actually, I am. Everyone should play this at their uh, sleep- slumber parties. I'm going to encourage this one. Or band Only class. because... I didn't have band class, so Amanda encourages that piece. But I only encourage it because there's a scientific explanation behind it. So when everyone lifts at the same time, the weight of the levitator is then more evenly distributed between the lifters. And the force that it takes to lift that person with those two fingers is reduced greatly. Just by something as simple as counting down from three or whatever it is to lift this person. So that's the general scientific explanation. You can read about it more. I just kind of condensed and put it in my notes. Boring. It's witchcraft. <laughs> Clearly it's, it's witchcraft. Yeah, it's not science. It's oh, Do you realize my dad is going to call me and yell at me because I have played this game? 
at sleepovers. <laughs> he should have known that by now. Like, it's common sense. Everyone plays light as a feather, stiff as a board. Right. Like, light as a feather, stiff as a board, and jelly shoes. That's a rite of passage for little girls. I Oh, jelly shoes. I was going to be like, yeah. I've never played jelly shoes. You're just talking about the jelly shoes. No, but you have played in them. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure of it. I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> so that is our first story. This was one of those ones where I'm like, it's so close to my heart and everyone's heart for that matter that I couldn't not do it. But I've been looking for a time to do it. And this just kind of felt like the time because my other story is pretty short as well. Only because I couldn't find a lot of examples or users or players that say they played it. But I already love this. So it can't get much worse. Wait, what? It can't get worse. How dare you? When I said it can't get much worse, I was mainly thinking about my story. And I was like, no, because she brought it back. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make things better for everyone. Okay, thank you. You're doing us a service. You're okay. trying to make things light as a feather? Stiff as a board, yes. Okay. <laughs> Our next game that we're going to talk about today. I forgot to Google how it's said. So Perfect. bear with me. Tsuji okay. uh, Yura is how I would guess that it is said. I was going to ask this is all- before you said it if I knew it. I do not at all. <laughs> It's also known as the fortune game. Unless you're talking about paper fortunes, I've still got nothing. No, it's not a cootie catcher or a fortune te- uh, paper fortune teller thing. Okay. No. But in Europe, this is also known as crossroads divination. Okay. I mean, if you had to take a guess, what would you say this game is about? Using a pendulum at a four-way stop? No, the the goal of the game is to get some insight on your future. Oh, cool. So I was nowhere close. (laughs) Nowhere near. I mean, you might, part of it might get a little closer later, but we're not not playing the game and I'm six blocks away swinging a necklace in the middle of a, in an intersection. Yeah, that's, you're just on the wrong intersection. It's okay. (laughs) Actually, maybe you're on the right intersection. I don't know. (laughs) Now. Reportedly, this game is an ancient Japanese fortune-telling ritual. It also, reportedly, in Japan, some people would play this game and go on to commit suicide <laughs> on the predictions that they were given. Oh. So, not great history there. Um, if you're going to play this game, you got to live with it, what you get. So, you got to be ready to accept the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, all of it. And supposedly, this game actually may have been the inspiration for fortune cookies. Oh, okay. Oh, there's that. In Europe's version, the Cross Divination, they believed that you were summoning a ghost or a demon or even possibly the devil to come tell you your fortune. They believed that ghosts of the dead... As opposed to... Ghosts of the the living? Yes. Ghosts of the future, maybe? I don't know. Okay, ghosts of the past? (laughs) They believe that ghosts in general... Um, or just the devil in a human disguise would walk along roads at night. Which, funny enough, I started thinking about this. And how many videos are there of people driving and there's something spooky just walking along the road or standing in the road? All of them. All the time. 
too many. And so yeah. I was like, okay, it's all these demons and devils in disguise. I see what's happening. So basically in crossword definitions, they believe you are summoning this ghost, a devil or whatever to come tell you your fortune. Okay. So the setup and the rules, it's very simple. You have one primary player, but you can have bystanders, people, people watching, no big deal. That's fine. They do have to follow the rules as well. Um, they also need to be quiet. They need to be observant and not open their big mouths. So maybe don't take James or Annie. Oh, he would be fine. Annie would get us all killed. Don't take anyone. With, actually, no. Take someone and just duct tape their mouths closed. Oh, okay. Perfect. I can do that to her like every day. Oh, perfect. Okay. Actually, she's sleeping. It's duct taped right now. Perfect. 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 So, and also just take your friends that maybe are good at listening, you know, just in case you need uh, someone to listen. I'm going to have to find some. But okay. I'll work on that. Yeah. All right. The tools needed. You need one comb. You need something to cover your face with a scarf, something to drape over your head, like a veil, a book, even if you're just holding it up to cover your face, a notebook, your bag, a ski mask. A, a large brimmed hat, a, a bush, I don't know, something to cover your face. You okay. just need to cover your face. I got to step in here for a second because I do not recommend standing in a bush at night with a ski mask on. That sounds like a recipe for arrest. You don't need one option, okay? You don't need the bush and the ski mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you have a bystander and you're like, I'm going to use this bush and they're like, I'm going to use my ski mask. And it's June. You might want to, you might just want to go with a book. You might just want to go with a hat. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what it is. Okay. As long as it covers your face. Your bystanders also have to make sure they are equipped with their face covering, but they don't need a comb unless they plan on doing the ritual themselves. Can you share combs? Like if I'm done, can this person use my comb? I assume so. Okay. I, I mean, that's how not. you get lice. So, but still. I mean, unless you break the comb during the ritual. What the hell am I going to be doing with this comb? <laughs> Give me a minute and I'll explain. Lord. And then your playing field, you're actually going to go to a crossroad. Like, that's where you're going to go play. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, not yeah. a lot needed for setup. You don't even need candles this time because I know that's your pet peeve. Yeah, flaming anything you don't need them you're good unless you want to use a large candle as your face covering but it's gotta be pretty wide to cover your face that sounds dangerous and i just got my hair cut so there you go you're fine then to start you're going to begin with the summoning process so you're going to start this ritual at night it has to be dark you're going to go to your crossroad bring your friends bring your bystanders whoever's going and you're going to bring all the tools with you as well once you're at the crossroads, you will make the comb beak. Speak? How does yes, one make a comb speak? You run your finger along like the bristles. Uh-huh. Okay. You could call it singing if you want to call the, the noise it makes singing. Okay. Um Okay. I'm just I'm I'm picturing this. I'm with you. Okay. So you're going to run your fingers over the teeth to make it, quote unquote, speak. And you're going to do this three times. 
And now, once that's done, you're going to say the following words three times. Tsuji Ura. Oh, sorry, I said that wrong. Tsuji Ura, Tsuji Ura, grant me, grant me a true response. Repeat that three times. And now you wait and wait and wait. You got to have a little bit of patience for this because you're going to wait, but you're going to keep your eye on your surroundings. And one of three things may happen. First thing, no one approaches the crossroad. If no one approaches the crossroad at any point, the ritual failed and you can try again at a later time. Someone you know will approach the crossroad. And if it is someone you know, a neighbor, a friend, a family, the frenemy from down the road, if you know them, you have failed. And you will need to try again at a later time. Okay, so if your mom comes to get you, like, what the hell are you doing behind a bush in the middle of the road? It's three o'clock in the morning, go home. You have failed. And she's pissed because you broke her comb. Yes. She's like, where are the teeth on this? Did you make it sing again? (laughs) We've talked about this. Your thumb is blistered. (laughs) Every night for the past month. Can we please stop? And put back my damn rose bush. (laughs) Tell your friend it's time for them to go home. (laughs) You're grounded until further notice. (laughs) The final thing that might happen is that a stranger will approach the crossroads. If a stranger does approach the crossroads, you have success and the summoning ritual is complete and you can continue forward. That's that's how you summon. Uh, uh, what if a car approaches? You're looking a, for a, a bystander. Yeah, you just ignore the cars. Should I move? <laughs> Well, you're, stand- you're standing off to the side. You don't need to be in the middle of the road. Oh, okay. I'm a- I don't know why. I was thinking I had to be like smack dab in the middle of the crossroads. You're having like um, a notebook moment where you're thinking you're in the middle of the road, laying down, waiting for lights to change. No, no, no. Okay. You can be off to the side. You're just not going to um, be in the middle of the road. Okay. Off to the side. You're fine. Okay. So do I have so- to talk to the stranger? Well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, boy. When the stranger approaches, as soon as you see them approaching, you're going to cover your face with your face covering. And that face covering is going to stay up for a minute. So I'm going to say maybe don't take like a heavy book. Maybe take, maybe just do the face mask, like a ski mask or something. Your face is covered, right? Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. But as soon as everyone sees this, Face covering goes on. You're fine. Granted, I will say maybe a ski mask in the middle of the night at a crossroads isn't the greatest look either. Oh, really? We're just not coming to this conclusion? (laughs) No, no. I came to that conclusion earlier. Don't worry about it. Uh, When the stranger is within earshot, you're going to be allowed to request that they tell you your fortune. Just remember to be polite. They don't like you being a demanding jerk. How, how do you know if it's going to be with an earshot if you can't see them? I'm assuming you, you can watch. You can, like, if I'm holding a book, I can look down okay. to where your feet are, you know? Okay. I was thinking, like, maybe I have to wait till I can hear them, which just sounds like sheer anxiety to not be able to see them, but I can hear their footsteps getting closer. You could probably do that as well. I don't, I just said I don't like that. <laughs> like, I just <laughs> said it's just straight anxious, and you're like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> 
go for it or watch for their feet. It doesn't really matter. But when they're within earshot, you can say, "You can, please, sir, may I have my fortune? However you're going to politely ask. Just don't be a jerk about it. Especially because it's obviously a possibility that it's... Um, a stranger danger? Well, I, I was saying if the ritual works, it's like a demon or a ghost. Uh, and don't piss them off, right? Right. Uh, okay. Or maybe it's... It could also be someone just planning to mug you. I don't really know. So maybe just don't piss people off. Either way, okay. demon or mugger, they'll know your fortune. So they can <laughs> tell you. The mugger's going to be like, yep, you're about to be real broke in two seconds. Mm-hmm. So you're going to keep your face covered when you ask. You're not going to let them see your face. It never explained to me why they couldn't see your face. It just said, don't do it. And it was all bolded. So I assume that's a really important step to keep your face covered. Okay. So after you politely request to see your future, again, one of three things can happen. The stranger will not answer. Do not proceed. You are going to let the stranger go on by. And once that stranger is gone, you can move the face covering and wait for another stranger to approach and try again with the new stranger going back to the waiting game. Which to me, this is creepy. If I were the stranger and I'm just walking along the road, whatever, and someone's like, tell me my fortune. I'm running. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I would absolutely not talk. I would think it was like a crackhead or something. And just like, don't talk to this person. Okay, granted, I don't know that I would walk by them. I feel like I would see them at the crossroad and change trajectory. I'd be like, mm, I'm going to take a right up here, three lefts down there, another right, four, four, go down four blocks, do whatever. Like, I would avoid them, right? Y- yes. Okay. No, I completely <laughs> agree. At this point, there's two crossroads, and that's the one I'm not crossing. <laughs> exactly. I'm on the other side of town at that mm-hmm. point. Like, don't bother me. Um. Another option is the stranger might just be like, no. Again, I feel like if this is a stranger that's just passing by and you go, tell me my fortune. They're like, uh, not a fortune teller. No, goodbye. Creepy. But if it is a ghost or a demon and they say no, you're, you're not going to proceed. You're going to follow the steps as if they didn't answer you and wait for the next stranger. If the stranger says yes, you get to go forward. Keep your face covering up. Again, in sources that was bolded so i i'm just gonna say that tidbit being bolded made me think it was important okay so take that with a grain of salt you're going to listen closely to what the stranger says so just maybe put your listening ears on before starting the ritual uh listen closely listen carefully to everything they say because they're telling you your future bud they're telling you all about what they know for the future I mean, if it's great, commit it to memory. If they give you the winning lotto numbers, even better, commit it to memory, right? Absolutely, yeah. Don't get a... <laughs> right? They're going to be like, the winning lotto numbers are da-da-da-da-da-da. I'll be like, hold on, wait, I don't have a pen. <laughs> this is more important. I'll get it replaced. Yeah. Here, hold my book real quick. <laughs> hold on one second. I got my brimmed hat on just in case this happened. <laughs> um... Don't get upset if you hear something you don't want to know. Remember, you opted into this game. When the stranger is finished speaking, be polite and thank them for their time and let them go on with their life. Keep your face covered until the stranger is gone. Only when the stranger is gone, then you may remove your face covering. And the ritual's over. You can return to your life with added knowledge. Um, You've caught your future. 
Now, I will be honest, I had a very hard time finding any any stories on this one or any people that claim to have an experience. But, I mean, people claim to have, unfortunately, commit suicide due to the supposed future they've gotten. I will say this one makes me a little skeptical. Well, not even a little. This one makes me real skeptical. Um, I said it was lower risk on the paranormal scale. I think it's a higher risk on the stupidity being robbed, mugged, hurt, whatever scale. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels like an, an invitation for violent crime. And it shouldn't. Yeah. You should be able to walk around at night. But I mean, Maybe walking that's just- around with your face covered, like even a pickpocket, like your prime target, bud. Right, 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 right. My other thing with this is maybe that stranger walking by you just happens to have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And you go, hey, tell me my future. And they go, all right, let's tell you a future. Um, I don't know how nice of a future they're going to make up for you. If I get a stranger talking to me in the middle of the night on the street with, <laughs> his, with their face covered, I'm not going to be nice. No, your face. Co- oh, well, yeah. Yeah, if I am the stranger in this situation, like, yeah, I'm not going to be nice to you. Right. I'm I'm probably going to tell you your future is that every Sunday you're going to want Chick-fil-A. You're going to have intense cravings for Chick-fil-A only Mm -hmm. on Sundays. And every Sunday. For the rest of your life. Yes. And that's, that's, you're going to walk away after that, right? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) And that person's going to lower their book and be like, the hell? They're going to lower their book and be like, shit, it's Saturday right now. Got to run over to Chick-fil-A. By the time they go over, it's probably closed. Yep. And it's going to be Sunday. And they're going to think about it the entire next day. Mm -hmm. That's your fortune, bud. You asked for it. (laughs) But I just, I feel like this one, you maybe set yourself up for people to really mess with you. Um, strangers to really mess with you on that one. Also, it doesn't feel super safe not just because like you're covering your face, but all of your friends that came with you are also covering their faces. Yeah, I feel like the veil might be the way to go in this situation because it might be obscured, but at least you can still see. Right. Or, or dare I say, the damn ski mask. Can you imagine all your friends have their ski masks rolled up and a stranger walks by and you all just roll it down. And ask You're if you can just... have your fortune. <laughs> can you imagine how many people are calling the police on them right now? Can you imagine how many people have asked a police in this situation? <laughs> the police were called and one walks up and he's just like scurrying to pull his mask down. And he's like, please, sir, might I have my fortune? And he's like, yeah, turn around, you're under arrest. This is freaking creepy. Also, you're trespassing. Also, there's a curfew. How old are you? Where's your driver's license? God, you Why? know what's happened. You know someone's going to do it, and you know they're going to just... there eight teenagers with ski masks at a stop sign on a school night? What are y'all doing? Why are whose house are you robbing? It can't be this jewelry store. It's armed and secured, guys. <laughs> What's happening? 
they have nothing with them but ski masks and books and maybe a candle. <laughs> so the cops sitting here like, what? Yeah, y'all got to have like eggs, spray paint, toilet paper, something. They're all being searched. Here's the, okay. If you're gonna do it, leave like all your valuables at home, locked up in a safe place, whatever. Yeah. That way, if you do, you know, someone does try to mug you, you can be like, "Look, my pockets are empty. You want a book? Here you go. That's all I got." Um, and then cry when they take your book. Um, I was just about to say because that's literally Bryce's worst nightmare. Is she is in the middle of getting mugged of all of her books and a bird attacks. I would be crying. <laughs> You want my book? Not my book. I'm halfway through. Actually, it's the bird that is taking your books. (laughs) Oh, um, the bird bird is is after you. And he wants all of your books that you just got from Books a Million. They still have that Uh, fresh book smell. And Big Bird's here to to take them. It is Barnes Noble all the way. I'm fighting for my books. I don't care how scared of birds (laughs) I am. I'm throat punching that thing so hard. (laughs) Don't come near my books, okay? <laughs> Can you just imagine? Some mugger, not even like, let's remove the bird from this. Some mugger tells me to give give them all my money. I'd be like, well, all my money is invested in books. I don't know he's, what you want me to do. He's going to be like, well, do you still have the receipt? And I'm going to say, of course not. And I broke the spine. Oh. As I'm... I would break the spine right there and then. I hate breaking the spines, but I would break it right then and there. Just to spite him. Yeah, I'd be like, the spine's broken. Can't even return it. This this mugger's just going to be like, <laughs> man, I just wanted your phone. I didn't bring it. It was valuable. It got left in the car. I'd be like, here's my shoes. Do you want those? I don't care. I'm just going to make Cody give me a piggyback ride back <laughs> to the car. I don't, I don't think this mugger's going to have a good fortune for you. <laughs> this mugger's going to be like, all right, well, it was an attempted mugging. You passed. <laughs> I don't know how, but you did not get mugged tonight, okay? Be like, just get out of here. Just take your books and go, nerds. <laughs> He's going to be like, at least I have a life not standing on a corner asking for my fortune. <laughs> so we all know I'm not taking a book with me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No. No, for sure. For sure. I'm going to take just like, I'll take a little spiral notebook, like the cheap mm-hmm. ones from Walmart. You can have that, sir. Go for it. My 50 cents well spent. See, I like the idea of the hat, but I wonder with the hat, because like, just because I can't see you doesn't mean that half of my face is not still visible. And it didn't sound like they were specific on how much of your face had to be hidden. Well, in some articles, it made me think that they didn't want you looking at what was giving you your future or them looking at you. See, with that, I can work with that. And I can get my hat and just pull it down real low and be like, I. King um, El Sombrero. Get one of those. El Sombrero. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, get That's a hat what like his. I was thinking. That's funny when you mentioned that earlier because I'm like, yeah, yeah, he hid himself behind his hat all the time. This is perfect. Yeah, it's fine. Perfect. What's the big deal? What could go wrong? Uh, I feel like still a lot, probably. Like, what if, I, I mean, just, <laughs> what if your hat is so large it gets blown clear off your head? Um, put a little strap on like each, glue it to your head. Oh, Matilda style. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's great. Then I never have to take it off. <laughs> Ever. You never have to take it off. Mm-mm. You just shower with it and everything. And then it's clean. You might not be because it blocks all the water, but big deal. Um, I can get a trucker hat. Trucker. Okay, that's that's fine. Fine. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. The way you looked at me. I was trying to decide. I was just trying to decide if it was valid. Um, I don't fully find it valid because you can't really lather. But. But at least it's in there. Yeah, they got in there. Hope mm-hmm. you rinse it all out. This sounds horrible. I don't like it. I would rather just not glue a hat to my head. <laughs> um, you're the one that was, you know, trying to find solutions. No, I'm sorry. I was trying to find solutions. You're the one that proposed the problem. I'm just here trying to help. Look, what it's, it's what I do. I just propose problems all the time. I figured. I figured. <laughs> that sounds about right. All right. Thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook, Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at HelenHealsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.